It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Reed Wilkins Wilkins on on Oilers Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 Chad. Letestu loads up. Now a wraparound. Reimer a save. Rebound loose. Letestu wobbled one wide. Cleared by Pesek off the boards and now a race for the puck. Mulgan can state. Picks it up to the net. And now a penalty shot. Might be a penalty shot. Yes, it will be. It'll be Dadanov. Evgeny Dadanov picks it up at center, right to left. The game is 5-4 Florida. Dadanov between the hash marks, shoots and scores. Blocker side, 6-4. And we've now seen not one but two penalty shot goals tonight. Yeah, Leon Dreisaitl got the other one, but Evgeny Dadanov gets that one, and it turns out to be the game winner tonight for the Florida Panthers. Another wild one for the Oilers, but another one where they can't keep the puck out of their own net. 7-5 Panthers is the final damage. Vincent Trocek with a hat trick. In the third period, he sealed it with an empty netter with a minute to go. Once again, the Oilers' home ice penalty killing, destroying them on home ice. The Panthers go three for four on the power play. Edmonton's penalty killing at Rogers Place this season down to 54.8%, a uh, by a wide margin, the worst ever in the history of the NHL. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. You generate a fair amount of offense. Again, you're giving up quite a bit as well. What are you seeing from a defensive standpoint, the quality chances you're giving up, and, and why? Well, not good enough. Too many. Penalty kill. And some big errors, again, from, from individuals. I look at the the fourth goal, for example, we, we pre-scouted that. We knew that was coming. We talked about it. And we're 18 seconds in when we're fresh and we get an opportunity to, to execute. One individual gets delinquent and misses assignment. And that's basically game over. Now we're chasing it. So uh, individual responsibility has got to go way up. We have to play some players. It's not like everybody can sit out. So has to improve. Todd, you've been around teams that obviously have had success and then they struggle and veterans go in peaks and valleys at times. You know, Cam admitted obviously did not like his game tonight, felt there was four goals he should have back. Milan Lucic has really been fighting and I think it's 19 games or 18 games now. As a coach with a veteran player like that, when do you know is the time to try to send a message to a veteran or, or keep patting him on the back? How do you balance that on what's the way to treat a veteran? Well, you, you have a lot of different things that you could be doing with that individual. We've tapped a lot of them. And uh, I'd like to talk about it as a whole rather than Milan because we have other guys too. 
Um, obviously, Milan's a focal point. He's been around for a long time and, and um, you know, other things. But uh, we have other individuals that are very good players that are in dry spells as well. And um, you move them around on lines. You take power play time away from them. You take a little bit of ice time away from them. Um, you know, and then you've got to go back to the other side and you've got to try and encourage them. You've got to try and put them in situations where you feel like they'll get some confidence. And, um, you know, so it can vary from individual to individual. You can be stern. Uh, you can put your arm around them. You show them positive. You show them negative. Um, over a 19-20 game span for some of these guys, we've tried a lot of it. When Cam is playing, as he said tonight, not very well, are you, are you just hoping he comes out of it as the game wears on? Or, or you know, are you looking at the backup saying, I don't think Cam's got it tonight? Or am I looking at the back? I'm not sure what you're in. Okay, I got to go to the backup to Al because it doesn't look like Cam's making enough saves tonight. Well, it's 3-3 going into the third. They score on a breakaway and they score on a penalty shot. You know, and Cam admittedly would like to have a couple of them back. But it's hard to yank your goaltender when it's 3-3. Um, the offense is coming. And the next two goals they get are on breakaways. One's a penalty shot, one's a... Uh, One's a breakaway 18 seconds in. So, you know, I, th I think that uh, obviously we need a better night from the goaltender, but uh, that wasn't the case. My mind wasn't working that way. Todd, uh, he started the season injured and was kind of been playing catch-up. Slepeshev has two goals in the last four games, and both of them actually really nice goals. Uh, are you starting to see signs from him that, uh, you know, maybe he's getting back to the player he was late last year? Yeah, I, I think he's, you know, he's... He's stuck with it over the last little bit. He's been in the lineup a lot more. Um, looks a little more confident. Um, certainly his game in Anaheim I thought was his best of the season. Uh, tonight was uh, a good night for him as well. So if there's some positives right now going through some of the losses we are, some of the, not some, but uh, Anton is uh, certainly a positive. I would, I would qualify. He's starting to look um, like he did last year uh, near the end of the year, which is a positive sign for us and for him. You had no power plays tonight. They had four, one where you thought you should get one for the clearing the puck in. Thought we should have. Like, I, yeah, well, whatever. Well, what, they, what did they tell you? Why you didn't get that? Uh, went through the opening and not over the glass. And, you know, I, hey, our team and our coaching staff made many mistakes tonight, so the, the officials make them as well. It's just frustrating when you're on the bench and there's, there's 20 people, 25 people on that bench that all see the same thing. And then when they wave it off, everybody's got emotion and, and trying to let the referees know they made a mistake. And that, that's everybody on the bench. So uh, that wasn't the difference in the game, though. That is Edmonton Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. His live comments presented by GCL Diesel. For genuine diesel parts at great prices, visit GCL on the West End or online at gcldiesel.com. It's the fourth straight loss for the Edmonton Oilers. They sink to 23-28 and four on the season. 7-5, Florida takes it tonight. It's 10-13 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Well, Rob, you see score nine goals over the course of two games you'd expect to win at least one if well, not both uh, not if you're the 17 18 Edmonton Oilers well it, it, when you're playing in a league that's a 3-2 league yes that should be plenty of goals um, I mean part of it is on uh, the goaltending part of it is on you know defensemen getting beat uh, part of it is on forwards uh, not not picking up their man, picking up the wrong man, lack of communication. 
there was a number of times tonight where, you know, the the Florida Panthers will come down the ice and some will take it deep and then they'll find the trailer and the Oilers will have four guys back or five guys back, yet Florida still ends up with a guy in the slot by himself and the puck on his stick. Uh, there was a, t- a number of times where on the back check, you know, you're supposed to stay with them and, and be with them stride for stride and maybe, you know, jostle a little bit yet those guys would end up getting breakaways. There's times tonight where, I mean, the, the penalty shot goal, the, the puck got past the two other defensemen. I think it got flipped out or whatever it was. They had a 10 to 15-foot lead uh, on uh, Dadunov. I think, uh, how do you say his name? Dadunov. Dadunov. That's what we'll go with. Yeah, so let's go with that's it for tonight. Uh, he, they had a 10, 15-foot lead on him, and he splits them, and he ends up getting a clear-cut breakaway enough to, to get himself a, a penalty shot. Start a period, as you know, Todd was talking about there. I mean, they, they give up a clear-cut breakaway when they had numbers back. Like, they had more than enough players in the right positions, yet this guy gets a, bra- a breakaway. And and I got to tell you, that was one of the prettiest moves I've seen all year. Cam Talbot had absolutely no chance on that one. And then times where there's two times tonight where the Oilers score a goal, get a lead, there's some emotion in the, in the crowd, the crowd's getting into it, and then immediately Florida comes down and, and scores a goal through uh, poor communication, poor defensive coverage, or poor goaltending. And those kill you. When you get a lead and don't get to celebrate it, where before they announce the goal, the other team has scored, that is a huge kick in the gut right there, and the Oilers had that tonight as well. Yeah, I mean, Dreisaitl got his penalty shot goal, and I was quickly looking through the Oilers media guide, and obviously the the Oilers penalty shots are on a different page than the opponent penalty shots. Pretty sure this is the first Oilers game ever to feature two penalty shots. So Dreisaitl scored on a penalty shot, also counted as a shorthanded goal. 3.35 later, uh, Malgut scored to tie it 2-2, and then Kajula gets the deflection goal 23 seconds later. Dadunov got his first of the game. And and you look at those two, and and I know they're both shots from the slot, but we talked a lot about Talbot's game on, on Saturday probably one, at least one of those two last year he he swallows up even though Mal, you know Malgan came in late guy in an odd man rush off Talbot's glove and in last year that's probably caught and and the dad and off one I mean that's from uh, that's a wrist shot from the top of the circles and even short if, side each, and even if it goes just inside the post that's got to be caught it, it, it does and there were times there were games last year and a majority of the games where we would sit up here and it did not matter the number of mistakes that the Oilers made you had a feeling that they were not going to score a goal the opposition they just Talbot would be dialed in and they there was nothing like and, and they could have golden scoring opportunities and he would get some piece of his body on it to keep it out now this year it's been the opposite and and it's not like a, a lot of games where these it's bad goals going in where it's going through them or he, he's making wrong reads it's just they're going in and at an alarming rate for someone as talented as Cam Talbot was last year. So when you're not getting saves in this league, you're not going to win many hockey games. When you're not killing penalties, you're not going to win many hockey games. So that Edmonton, all the specialty teams and goaltending did him in again tonight. 7-5, the Panthers win it. We do get to turn on the Japanese Village goal light because the Oilers scored five. So you can go to the Oilers page on 630ched.com, print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side.
Some of the uh, multiple point guys tonight for the Oilers. McDavid get, well, actually, uh, just two guys. Maroon got a goal and an assist. McDavid had a goal and an assist for the Panthers. Ekblad, 1-1. One one. Matheson, 2 assists. Trocek, the hat trick. Mulgan, 1-1. One one. Dadunov, 2 goals. And uh, they win it 7-5. The three stars tonight, McDavid, Dadunov, and Trocek. <laughs> Trocek, a hat trick, gets the third star. Our fourth star for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. I, I, would, I would go with Leon Dreisettel. He scored a goal tonight, played 21 minutes, almost 60% in the faceoff circle. I thought he was dangerous. He was one of the few Oilers I thought was dangerous every time he was on the ice. And you talk about to save at the right time. I wrote down the times here, Rob. A minute three after his shorthanded penalty shot, he splits the defense like a missile. Mm-hmm. And he's got a hard shot that he doesn't need a big windup for and rips one, and Reimer's able to reach back and get his glove on it. And again, key save at the right time. If it's 3-1 Oilers with two goals in a minute... Who knows? Maybe maybe they roll from there, but Reimer made the big stop. He, he did, and that was one that he, he caught it behind him. He dry settled, put it right where he wanted to, and Reimer reached back. When you said reach back, he literally did and made that save. And Reimer, I don't think, had a very strong game himself, but there were a couple big saves at key moments. All right, 780-496-0063. We'll welcome Fred to Overtime Open Line. Fred, you're on with Robin Reed. Here, Reed and Rob. How are you tonight? Good. I don't know if you're going to agree with me here or not, but I think it's imperative in the offseason they find somebody that can play with McDavid, somebody with speed, a little bit of size. Uh, they tried so many players already. Nothing's working. You know, there's short stints. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, well I, I agree to an extent. The problem you have is you got to be able to afford someone too. I mean, the salary cap comes into play, and... You, a, you got to find a team that's willing to give up someone that's capable of playing with Connor McDavid. B, you got to be able to afford them. Uh, I think that right now, and, I, and unless they move someone off their current roster, I think they're hoping that Puliyarvi or Yamamoto will be the guys that are playing on the right side yep. on their top two ni- lines next year. Yeah, I agree. I think I think they hope Puliyarvi can jump in there next year, and I, I don't know who's going to be on on the left side, but I, I think they prefer to have Drysital as a center and then have his uh, as an option if they need to. Put, put them together. I mean, they put them together late in the third period, and yep. it's similar to that St. Louis goal, put them together for a shift and, and, and they get a big goal, but not enough for the Oilers tonight. Alright, more time for your calls. We're going to take a quick timeout. Oilers lose again, fourth straight, 7-5. The Panthers take it. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. 7-5 Florida is the final tonight at Rogers Place. 1-1 after the first, 3-3 after the second. Vincent Trocek gets a hat trick in the third period to power the Panthers to victory. Let's hear from him for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. So just talk about uh, how'd you feel about this your game in particular? I thought we played well. I thought obviously we know the kind of team that they are. They're really fast. They have a lot of skill on that team. It's, they have getting a lot of running gun type games. Uh, we talked about it before the game, just trying to kind of slow them down, slow the game down a little bit. Uh, four goals against isn't ideal. 
but um, I thought we played pretty well. We were able to contain them a little bit, um, and we were able to put the puck in that. Obviously, uh, we've been talking about that. We've been getting a lot of chances these last this last stretch, and it's just a matter of kind of putting them in the net. We haven't been doing that so much, so tonight was good to get kind of get that on the roll. Obviously, a kind of crazy game, though. I mean, you, you don't see them like that very often, do you? Yeah, you don't see too many seven-goal games out of us. I think we have maybe two or three this year, over five or over four. So uh, it's nice to finally see a little bit of an outburst on offense and um, to be a team like that and kind of play the way we did, play play a smart game. Uh, it's good to see. It's good to start this road trip off in the, in the win column. You won five of the last six. Got some confidence going into this Canadian road trip? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, that four-game win streak that we had was kind of starting to get into our identity a little bit. It was a little bit of a... Uh, we talked about kind of just playing our game and we finally 50 games into the season kind of recognized our identity and realized how we have to play in order to win games and we started to do that in that win streak and uh, I think we're starting to kind of keep rolling with it and, and playing more consistent congrats on the hat trick thank you Thank you. Hey, that's Vincent Trocek. All right, Kyle Morris working the visitors' dressing room tonight. Trocek uh, now up to 21 goals on the season. He leads the Panthers past the Oilers tonight, 7-5. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown inside Rogers Place. It is 10:26. Thanks for joining us tonight. Our call-in number is 780-496-0063. We have Winston standing by. Hi, Winston. Good evening, uh, Robin Reed. Thanks for taking my call. I was just wondering uh, what you guys thought of the penalty shots tonight. I kind of thought both were a little on the weak side, kind of like a sports entertainment call as opposed to a legit <laughs> penalty shot. Uh, I, I thought they were both good calls, and I think that I, I like the way the ref called them. I mean, Reed talked about it a, a bunch of times. He's gone into the, the rule book, and there's I think it's four things that they yep. have to... Here, I should grab it. Yeah, four things that they have to be able to uh, check off to, to have a penalty shot, and, and I thought they were both perfect. I think that there's so many times this year where calls should have been made, penalty shot calls should have been made where they haven't. There's been a number with Connor McDavid being the, the victim and they, the referee hasn't made that call, but I thought the, the penalty shot calls were the correct call on both of them. I, I'd like to see them actually in general be more liberal with a penalty shot call. I agree. Like if there's if it's if it's 50-50, award the penalty shot. I mean, it's one of those plays in hockey where if you're you know, in, in the kitchen grabbing a snack or out in the garage, if somebody's going to call you in to, to watch that play or you're going to make sure you well, see yeah, it. Yeah, and, and as long as it follows the criteria, and I think they both both of those did tonight, I, and both were very important penalty shots at the time, and both players seemed to go to the exact same spot. It was exciting. It was a, it was a game that you'd want a penalty shot on because the goaltenders did not have strong nights for either team, so if you got a penalty shot, chances are it was going into the back of the net. Yeah, let me. I'm sorry, Rob. I'm just. I know. I'm. Those, I'm, I'm filling air right now. I'm filling air for you. You. So, Winston. Is this Winston that I'm talking to? Oh, he's he gone. He might be gone. Oh, That's okay. okay. Uh, where is it here? It's you gotta be. You gotta be all alone. You, you get. You have to have no one between the net between you and the goalie. You have to be fouled from behind. You have to be denied a scoring opportunity. Uh, you have to be denied a scoring opportunity, yeah. and it has to be in the attacking or neutral yeah. zone. Yeah, and, and, and both of those were checkmarked on all four four uh, criteria. It was they were the right calls, and uh, most refs don't want to make that call. Most refs, the easy call is to just call the penalty, but uh, neither Drysital or Dadanov got. 
uh, got a scoring chance because if both of them didn't get a shot off, so it was the right call. All right, we got a quick news and weather update here at 9.30. The Oilers lose 7-5. That does mean a $125 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They donate $25 every time the Oilers score. It's coming up to $4,000 for the season. Alex, Caden, Rico, and Luke is the batting order on the phones. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 6.30 chair. 7-5, Florida beats the Oilers tonight. Yeah, the four criteria for a penalty shot obviously has to be in the neutral or attacking zone. So I guess you could call one if a guy was just... Well, it makes Out sense. his own blue line, though. Well, it makes sense if he's got yeah. a clear-cut breakaway and you trip him right at the blue line. Fouled yep. from behind. Player in possession must have been denied a reasonable chance to score, and the player in possession must have had no opposing player between himself yep. and the goalkeeper, so, obviously. So I, and there could have been one last game on that, Leon. Yeah, uh, I agree. I don't, I don't think they call it enough. for If, if you go by the, the rules in the rule book. I think that the, there's more that we should have seen over the last couple of years, especially on the stick of Connor McDavid. Two penalty shots tonight. Dreisaitl scores. Dadunov scores. Panthers win at 7-5. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown. 780-496-0063. We have Alex on the line. Hello, Alex. Hey, Alex, go ahead. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Well, I'm concerned, guys, (laughs) about the future of this hockey club and the way it's been run. I mean, you guys, you know I've been on the air a number of times, and I've uh, complained like up and down about Peter Sorelli and his vision of this club. And, uh, you know, after watching Milan Lucic for the last, I don't know, 20 games, I... You know, me and my girlfriend, we just laugh at him now. And I hate to say that about the big boy, but that's what we're doing. I, I swear there would be a, lots of clubs who wouldn't want him on the team. And uh, five more years of that $6 million contract, it's, um, that's pretty bad. And But, you know, I could go up and down that lineup and talk about 10 other players that are probably going to play a lot better next year than this year and from the goaltender out. And uh, But the reason why I'm concerned about this, the future of this club because you guys know what's down the farm club. There's not much there. There isn't much coming up. And, uh, you know, I'm going to second what you said, Reid, about uh, if they're putting hopes on having Poovy Arvey and then another rookie, uh, Yamamoto, coming in, you're, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> it's a lot of hope again. Just like when we started this season here when Sorelli decided that he was going to, you know, have Strom for Eberle. And then, uh, and then a few other players that uh, that are not going to be around, and uh, not replace the Sakara. And Sakara is another bad contract too that we're going to have to carry for another three years. Um, and, and you know they're they're up against the cap. I just don't see, I don't see that playoff picture for the next couple of years. And so that's what I'm concerned. And I'm not buying what uh, Nicholson or anyone in that organization says for excuses and. You know, because if I do, then we're all going to sing old Kumbaya and hold hands, and, and maybe I'll uh, Google up an old Coca-Cola commercial. I'd like to find a world of hope. You know what? I'm not buying it, and I can't believe the Edmonton fans who pay the big bucks, okay? They're going to be stuck with watching that for the rest of the year and the years to come because they buy Nicholson and Peter Sorelli's garbage and BS. And players like Lucha Milan Luchins, you know, okay, Alex you're, sta- Alex, you're starting to repeat yourself, but you, you make a lot of very good points. 
and you wouldn't want to hold hands with me. I'm very sweaty. <laughs> I mean, I, the one thing I, I wonder when he, he said that the what Nicholson and Shirelli are selling, I, I, I haven't heard a lot of excuses. Um, but there's going to be need to be answers at the end of the season, the way the season's gone. But I haven't seen, I haven't heard Bob Nicholson come out with with any um, answers or any believe me in this. I, I haven't heard Bob speak in quite a while, so that part I didn't understand. There's a lot of other things he said that were very valid. And he's got, uh, I mean, he's right on some. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of questions about Lucic's future. I, I think. Well, I don't think there's any questions about his future. Well, he's, yeah, he has the contract. Yeah, I he's think not there's going questions anywhere. about how effective he'll be. I, I, I think it's premature to write off Andre Sekera. Oh, I agree. Personally. I mean, Andre Sekera was excellent last year, and he's coming back from a knee injury halfway through the season. It was going to affect him. But, but right, the, 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 the farm stuff is a very good point, yes. and we've talked about that recently too, that this is a franchise that hasn't drafted well for ages. Mm-hmm. Um, several general managers. Now it's too early to really know about Shirelli's draft record in terms of depth guys uh, for this organization. But, yeah, I mean, you can't... I think you use free agents to augment your roster, not to build your roster. And I think, uh, to some extent, Shirelli's been stuck trying to build through free agency because there hasn't been anybody that can come up and fill fill depth mm-hmm. roles. Yeah, you're true. The problem for the Oilers, what they're going to have is the salary cap will come into play mm-hmm. and what they can and so can't So they're going to need younger guys to be effective. Yes. So how quickly can they have their homegrown guys to be effective? Yes. Because other teams aren't going to hand you their prospects, even if they're depth prospects. No, and and again, they're prospects, so they're they're, they're not guarantees. So for the the one caller earlier that called saying that we need to find a, a winger for for Connor McDavid, well, you're not going to get an established one unless you're moving something else, because the others cannot afford someone that makes big money to come in here and play for them next year. All right, it was a tough night for Cam Talbot as the Oilers lose 7-5. Let's hear from the Oilers goaltender for GCL Diesel. For genuine diesel parts at great prices, visit GCL on the West End or online at gcldiesel.com. More got past you than you normally like? Yeah, I'd say about four of them that I would like to have back. I mean, any time we go out and score five goals, we should win a game every night and give us a chance to win tonight. I liked our, our battle level, our compete, our resiliency. Every time I let one in, we got one back, but I just couldn't find that next save to give us a chance. Is that more mental confidence for you than, than physical ability at this point? Yeah, I mean, I've been playing well, I thought. I mean, um, I haven't had a game like this in, in a long time, and it came on, on a really bad night where I got a lot of support and they needed me. So um, tonight it wasn't uh, anything physical. I mean, nothing changed from the weekend, but just uh, couldn't come up with a save when we needed it. Yep. Read that's Cam Talbot. Mark work in the uh, Oilers room. Cam Talbot hard on himself tonight, and uh, I think that's fair because we're being hard on him too. I mean, that was. I mean, point blank, Rob. If if that wasn't his worst game as an Oiler, it was it was one of them. I and mean, like you said, he he didn't make the next save that could have allowed the Oilers to keep the lead or maybe extend it. Yeah, and it wasn't a night where there were. You know, goals that you're going to say, oh, my God, I can't believe that went in. But it's just goals that he made the save on last year, goals that you need a save on. Uh, there's there's times where your goaltender has got to give you some momentum or continue the momentum. And tonight it, it just wasn't there for Cam Talbot. And uh, his body language showed it. He, he, looked, he looked frustrated. He looked down as well did a number of players on the Oilers bench tonight. But, yeah, this is... Uh, if 
if last season was a season that he'll never forget, this is turning into one that he'd like to. Yep. 7-5, the Panthers take it. Tonight we have Caden standing by on the line. Hey, thanks a lot for calling. Caden? Hello? Yeah, Caden, go ahead. Hi there. I just wanted to throw a few thoughts out. Yep. Now, uh, penalty shot or not, what killed the Oilers is that they just couldn't score more goals than the Panthers in the third period. I mean, at the end of the night, the game of hockey is all about who can keep the most pucks out of their net while putting the most pucks in the other team's net. And the Oilers simply did not do that tonight. Let me know what you think. I'm Bob Layton. Okay, well, I mean, that's a, that is a weak Bob Layton impression, Caden. <laughs> I, I, but I don't, know what, I don't know what his point was, though. Because, I mean, every that's o- night... That's okay. Yeah, okay, that's good. That's okay. Well, All right. two games in a row, the Oilers uh, have scored and not been able to, to prevent any goals. Uh, 780-496-0063. We'll bring Rico onto the show. Rico, you got any impressions for us? Uh, well, I could probably do a slightly better Bob Layton, but i got to use the word murder. I don't want to do that on... <laughs> I don't like tonight. Fair enough. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. What's on your uh, mind? No, no, no problem. Um, three points. I'll make them quick. Uh, first of all, you know, Todd McClellan, you know, with his resume and how great he is and how much he believes in his assistants, I'm really starting to believe that he's losing the room, especially with a lot of the comments about how they prepare for games. They don't look very prepared. They don't look like they're, uh, they're following the plan that he talks about that they talk about. Um, two other points. One, Shlepyshev. I really hope the Oilers don't trade him at the deadline. I know there's been talk about him being a bit of a trading chip, but I, there's too much upside on this guy. I really believe in him. I, I hope that the Oilers do too, and they they keep him around. He's young. They need wingers. I think he's only going to get better, so I hope they hold on to him. And my final point, all this ridiculous talk about trading Leon. I mean, come on. I don't know what these guys are talking about. Some of these journalists, Kip Rios and everybody else that brings this up. Are they being too creative or not creative enough? You're not going to trade Leon. He's a superstar. He's only going to imagine what he's going to be like when he's 25, 26 years old. You're not going to let this guy go. You'll never win a trade with them, trading him away. Rico, That's my thoughts, boys. Yeah, what pre- do you guys think? Well, I appreciate that. I think you you, you made very uh, I agree well, with the well, well thought out points, and, yep. and in terms of the Leon Drysaddle stuff, I didn't even touch that on the Face Off no. show because I think unless uh, you know we were talking about hypothetically earlier in the season, unless you're getting Eric Carlson back, why would you trade Leon Drysaddle? Well, you, you don't you don't trade Leon Drysaddle. He I, you build around Leon Drysaddle. Yep. You don't trade Leon Drysaddle. I mean, an organization that was crying out for centers for. Most of the ten years there yeah. of the playoffs now has McDavid and and Drysaddle. So as much as there are other uh, weak areas on the team, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't start giving centers away by any means for sure. Okay, the Oilers lose tonight seven five on the advantage trailer rentals out of town scoreboard. Just two other games. The Leafs beat the Lightning four th- three. The Leafs were up three nothing. Tampa Bay tied it, and then Van Riemsdyk gets the winner, his twenty third of the season. The Coyotes pound the Blackhawks tonight six one. The final in that one, Max Domi got his fourth of the season to help the Coyotes win the game. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Luke on the line. Hey Luke. Hi. Hey Luke. Go ahead. 
Uh, apart from not having that very good of a Bob Layton uh, impression, <laughs> I just had a three questions first sure. about Cam Talbot. I kind of maybe it's just me, but I kind of thinking uh, he's kind of had a, had maybe a a fluke season the last year and just a question if he's really good and then a couple other ones that normally people don't call about but uh who's the hardest work- working athlete in the world and <laughs> jeez <laughs> and uh um since edmonton well besides last year they for like i think it was 11 years they were so bad they weren't that good and then this year they haven't been that good either and could they, if they keep this up, could they ever be, uh, like, an Oilers move? Like, the Thrashers move to, like, Winni- Atlanta move to Winnipeg? And if they couldn't, who would be the closest team? Yeah, the, the Oilers wouldn't move. They have a 35-year um, location agreement to stay here in Edmonton and stay at Rogers Place. So if they moved, we'd all, we'd all be a lot older, Luke. <laughs> uh, the question about Cam Talbot is a fair one. We talked about that a little bit after Saturday's game where now people are worried, well, what if what if this year isn't the extreme? What if, what if last year was the extreme? Uh, again, uh, good almost half season in relief of Lundquist. That got him the opportunity to be a starter with the Oilers. Slow start his first year. Excellent Two th- final two thirds of his first season, excellent last year, and now really substandard. You're, you're this hoping, year. So you're, you're hoping, hoping, you're hoping that, the that this year's the aberration, yeah. and last year's the real camp. But he's not a ten year goalie where you say, well, he's had that's eight, the problem. Where you say he's had five really good ones, three average, and two bad. You don't know. No, you, the bounce back you don't. But the Oilers have to make a decision, and the decision I think through contracts. What's he got left? One more year left? Two more years? Yeah. And people have asked about, like, and Talbot is another guy with a no-move clause. Yes. So, I mean, there, it's modified next year where he could give a list of teams. But, but again, when people ask us about changing goalies, barring something Talbot saying, okay, you can explore trading me, he will be the goalie next yes. year too. So. And uh, Montoya's got a con- He's got a year left He's got contract. a year left as well. No, he doesn't make nearly as much. So no, you can, can bury it if you want. or bought out or whatever. But, yeah. but no, the Edmonton, I mean, they're, they're banking on Cam Talbot becoming what they saw last year. The hardest working athlete in the world is Cal Ripken Jr. in his prime. <laughs> Actually, I'm watching some of these Olympics athletes. Well, this is the thing. Like, there are so many incredible athletes. I, I mean, you got the one kid from Canada that just went in the the men's moguls without an ACL. I mean, I mean, he's got no knee and he's going down <laughs> moguls. It's not like he's just walking down the street. He's going down moguls. I give him credit. And then you got the other kid. Was it McMorris who was in a coma less yeah. than a year ago? Yep. And he goes and wins a bronze medal. So yeah, those are my two votes for hardest working athletes. The kid that comes back from a coma or from almost dying, uh, that's my guy for the hardest working athlete coming back and winning a bronze medal for Canada. Can't argue with that. Absolutely. Okay, goaltending was a story tonight. James Reimer led in five but gets the win. Panthers take it 7-5. Here's Reimer for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. This game to come back after a three-game lay or three-week layoff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I first came back after being out for a while, I and mean, there's uh, 
there's a bit of rust and, and whatnot and, and kind of getting adjusted to the game speed but um you know yeah, a battle to the game um you know thought uh you know made a couple saves you know that uh you know in some situations some tough situations so um you know happy overall with with how i played and and you know it'll be it's just a good uh, good building game was it was it more physical than usual mental to get prepared for this game and and stay into this game with going back and forth at the lead uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, it was kind of a weird game. I mean, uh, you know, not uh, not too much of a goalie's duel. I don't think uh, either goalie would be too too excited about uh, yeah, it all like being a seven five game. But uh, but yeah, you know, you just kept battling, you just keep uh, kind of digging in and, and mentally uh, just uh, you know telling yourself uh, to to make that next save and, and hang in there. And so um, you know, and then the guys guys played great. I mean, um, you know, it's. Uh, that's uh, a team that can score goals over there, and, and they're really good offensively. And, and I thought we uh, we stayed with them, and, and uh, we played really well. Talk about the the confidence of this young hockey club there that's playing out in front of you guys, and and the offense now that we're able to create. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you want to have to rely on, on scoring seven goals every night, but uh, but it's nice uh, to have that in your back pocket when you need uh, when you need to in a game like this. And so and so, um, you know, hopefully uh, going forward. I mean, uh, you know, we tighten everything up, but I mean, um, it's just one of those. Uh, character games where where you did what you needed to do to win and and uh that was the case tonight i mean it was basically a perfectly placed shot but do you want that penalty shot back Oh, I mean, I'll have to honestly, I'll have to see it. I mean, uh, you know, there's a couple, a couple situations tonight where you know I didn't feel great and, and I made a few mistakes, and so um, you know, it's just it's just one of those games. First game back, it almost feels like the first exhibition game. You know, there's just uh, a little bit of rust, a little bit of kinks, and, and you just play through it. And you know, next game it'll be easier. Thanks. All right, that is James Reimer. He gets the win tonight. He makes 27 saves on 32 stops. At the other end, Cam Talbot stops 33 of 39. Trocek got a hat trick into an empty net. 7-5 Panthers is the final damage. Ryan's going to finish the play for us when we get back. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auction Broadcast. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. It's a fourth straight loss for the Edmonton Oilers, this time 7-5 to the Florida Panthers. Vincent Trocek gets a hat trick for the Panthers. Edmonton's goal scorers, Maroon, Dreisaitl on a penalty shot, Kajula, Slepeshev, and McDavid. So the Oilers getting some scoring the last two games, but not enough. 6-4 and 7-5, the losses over the last two nights. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown inside Rogers Place. It's 10:53. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. We have Ryan standing by. Hey, Ryan. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, we're doing okay. Thanks for calling. You bet. Go ahead. Hey, uh, yeah, uh, just a few comments on the game there tonight. Uh, first off, I'd like to start and say that uh, I don't think this season has much to do with McClellan or Shirelli. I think uh, this season's hung squarely on the shoulders of the players. I think collectively minus maybe three or four guys, I think everybody's taken a major step back this year, and I think that's one of the reasons why we've struggled, um, you know, plus a few other things. Um, curious to know uh, what Shirelli does at the trade deadline this year. I think this is an opportunity to maybe move some people and uh, obtain some draft picks for maybe something uh, in the off season regarding a winger for McDavid. Uh, you know, like it's been mentioned before, I don't think we have a whole lot of depth coming up, but I do think that we have some pieces that could complement some uh, teams that are 
pushing for the playoffs that could get some assets back for us to move in the off season for uh, one of those pieces that we need. And I think uh, one of the questions I kind of had for you guys was uh, moving forward this the remaining part of the year. I think it's obvious we're not making the playoffs, but just curious what you guys think about how McCollum's going to run the bench uh, the remainder of the games. If you think that uh, they're going to get, uh, you know, they're going to have JJ and Jesse and uh, maybe Slepishov play some more minutes and have guys like um, Lucic and stuff uh, maybe sit on the bench a little bit more. What you guys thought about that? Yeah. And Ryan, don't hang up because you're going to finish the play. Um, uh, it's for the trade deadline. I imagine they're going to move out every UFA that they have, or try or to, try. or try to. Uh, as for how he's going to coach the remainder of the season, I don't think it's going to change. I think he's going to be playing to win. If you're playing well, you'll play. If you're not playing well, you won't get as many minutes. We've seen as of late, Cassian got extended minutes in a game that he was playing well. Slepeshev's got more minutes because he's playing well. Kajula up and down, depending on he's, how he's playing. Lucic, his minutes had cut down a bit. He went down and played on the third line for a bit. So I, I don't think they're going to go into a game saying we got to play our younger players more. I think it'll be strictly based on who's playing that night as they try to win every game possible. Ryan, you ready to finish the play? We want to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. Fourth line again. They've gone to the tough guy, Michael Haley. He's played all but one game. Here, a turnover. A quick dish. Pull Yarvey to the net. Denied by Reimer. And the rebound behind. Okay, Yessi Puli Yarvey Ryan wears number 98. He was wearing a different number before he changed to that, a more traditional number. Was it number 39? Or was it number 21? Oof. Uh, 39. It was indeed 39. Good man, Ryan. Hang on the line so Kellen can take down your information. You wouldn't finish the play. Ooh, I was a little nasty with so that I, one. Well, I was actually, I'm looking at you like, I had no idea. When was he wearing 39? In the preseason. Oh, in the pre- Like before, remember before last year's home opener, and yeah. then he changed it to 98. And we were like, what? Oh, he but it was a pre. His... He never wore it in a regular season game. No, no, he wore. Oh, yeah, he yeah. Wore, wore so in... I was trying to give the guy a hint. I'm like, I have no idea well, what the answer is. Well, he knew it. He's a smart well, guy. Well, he's, yeah, he's smarter than me. He actually, he and I should trade places for the night. Seventeenth uh, time in NHL history, two different teams have attempted a penalty shot in the same game. Does it say first time there you both go. scored? There you go. That's what I wanted. Interesting. to Interesting. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, well, this was a game, the way that things were going for the goaltenders, that penalty shots were going to be going into the net. Face-off trivia, Dale won that. He gets a $50 gift card to Buffet Royale Carvery, courtesy Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor, armorinsurance.ca. Uh, Chris Pronger, in, in conversation with Bob Stoffer on the Face-Off show on Oilers Now earlier today, Pronger traded from Hartford to St. Louis in July of 1995 for who? Brendan Shanahan. Brendan Shanahan. Yeah, I think Mike Keenan made that trade. and Mike Keenan usually went into a a new team and traded usually one of their most popular players immediately to show that he was boss. Now, that trade worked out very well for for him uh, because he got Pronger, correct? Yeah, he got Pronger. He traded away Shannon. Is that the way it went? Or did he go the Pronger other way? went from Hartford to yes. St. Louis. Yeah, so Keaton made that was a good move. Yeah, and, Pro- and when Pronger won the Hart in the Norse, yeah. he was with the uh, with the Blues. Oh, he w- he was one of the best. Yeah, a great player. Yep. Uh, I mean, to me, the I mean, look, storied franchise. The '84-'85 team is was here tonight. 
but I still think Pronger in the 05-06 playoffs is one of the best playoff performances in, in the history of this team. I agree. I know they didn't win the Cup, and I mean, look, Gretzky had two and a half points per game in some playoff years, different era, but the way Pronger played night after night and controlled the game was he, he should have He should have won the, the Conn Smythe despite the fact they didn't win. He still should have won the Conn Smythe. He was that good. 7-5, the Panthers uh, win over the Oilers tonight. If you're on hold, we'll bring you in after the uh, 11 o'clock news because we don't want to cut you short. We're coming up to a news and weather break here. Our adjustment of the game is for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. We'll have a little bit of fun with this one because Drake Kajula wore two different varieties of face protection today. First, the, See, the first period he was out there with the... The full the, mask. The bars, yeah. right? Like a minor hockey player would wear almost. And then he went to what is called the bubble after mm-hmm. that. He scored wearing the bubble, so he has to stick with that. <laughs> yeah, well, he will because that's what hockey players do. Whatever they have success with, they stay with that until the success runs out. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's... I mean, like, well, we touched on it last game, talking about depth scoring. McDavid doesn't get a point last game. They get four, and they lose. And then tonight, okay, McDavid and Dreisaitl scores, but you've needed something from Maroon. You needed something from Kajula. You needed something from Slepyshev. They all get goals, and we're still talking about a loss. Now they need some defensive structure. Yeah. Well, actually, not structure. They have the structure. They need the players to do what they, they're yep. supposed to be doing. And they need the, and they need the stops. Tough yes. one for the Oilers again. Fourth straight defeat, 7-5 to the Panthers. We're coming back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Live Broadcast Center. from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. All right, thanks for joining us tonight. It's 11.04. I'm Reed Wilkins, joined by our Inside the Game analyst, former NHLer Rob Brown. Breaking down another rough one for the Oilers. 7-5. The Florida Panthers win it tonight. Uh, 3-3 after two periods. Panthers get a power play goal 18 seconds into the third period. They added another power play goal about six minutes later. They go 3-4 for four with the man advantage and scored on a penalty shot. The Oilers did not have a power play and scored on a penalty shot, as we're just finding out here if you're just joining us. Uh, first time in ever. First time in ever in league history, uh, opposing teams have both scored on a penalty shot in the same game. So that's kind of cool, but not a lot cool for Oilers fans tonight. <laughs> no, I, it was it was exciting. I mean, it is. I love watching, and you talked about it. I mean, uh, throw more in because it is an exciting part of the game, and uh, a lot of pressure on both players going in. They both were able to capitalize shooting in the almost the exact same spot. Um, unfortunately for the Oilers, uh, they could put the puck in the net. They were not very good. Uh, keeping the puck out of their net in the last couple games, leaking chances, and then not getting the big save when they needed it. I just want to guess here, there was a play in the second period. I just want to guess what the referees were thinking. Florida flipped the puck. Now, the penalty is delay of game puck over glass. So if it goes into the bench, it's not a penalty. If it goes into over the glass behind the bench, it's a penalty. That puck landed in the Oilers' runway, which yep. is right on the red line, and I think the the officials talked about it and said, we don't know for sure if that would have gone over the glass had there been glass but, there. But what the Oilers were saying, it went over the glass to get to the runway. Right, right, so exactly. So it did. So, it just didn't you, go into the crowd. Yeah, it, it went over the glass, over the crowd, and into the runway. And, it, to, I mean, obviously the Oilers players and coaches saw it firsthand and they knew that it was over from here up sitting in the press box uh, it, it was pretty obvious as well um it was obvious actually to the, i'm not sure what panther did it but 
he felt shame. He started skating towards the penalty box. He knew it was it. So I don't know how that one of the linesmen was arguing the Oilers' point. He was trying to get the penalty because when they and he said, "Let's talk." And about let's it talk again. It about it again because he said it went over the glass. They called the other linesman in, and the other linesman agreed with the referee, and he said no. But it it, it was it was obvious. It's an unusual play. I've never seen one land in the runway like that. Yeah, it was. Just, but it was a completely missed call. By, yeah. by the referees, and it happens. It's not why they lost, but no. sometimes we talk about little But there was four refs, things. four refs who were watching the puck, so it, that one was a surprising one that it was missed and missed badly, and, and I could see the frustration for the Oilers because they knew for a fact where the puck had gone. Yeah, but if the Oilers uh, could kill penalties, they, they, yeah. they, they, they wouldn't need power play. Not that their power play has been any good uh, either. Again, three power play goals for the Panthers. Dreisaitl's shorthanded goal or penalty shot goal does count as shorthanded, but still, uh, uh, I mean, again, five on five, the Oilers, as much as we've talked about some of their defensive game and the goaltending, five on five, they've been okay this year. Well, I mean, with little better special teams, they're not in the playoffs, but they might have three to five more wins. Well, in a be game, closer. yeah, and in a game, they give up seven goals in this game, and there's only two, three players on the team that are minus in this game. I mean, Lucic was minus two, and then Nurse and Camilleri were minus one. So I'm thinking seven goals. I'm looking down the stat sheet thinking, oh, there's going to be a whole bunch of minuses on the other side of it. But again, it was the specialty teams. They give up the, 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 the three power play goals to the Panthers, and then they give up the, the breakaway that turned out to be a penalty yeah. shot. So and I guess no one gets a minus on the penalty shot goal. No. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Rocket standing by. Hey, Rocket. Hey, guys. How you doing? Oh, not bad. Um, hold it. Uh, the penalty call against, I have four comments and two questions, but you've got me on something else now. That penalty call, that phantom call on Davidson, what, what was that? Oh, the high stick in the first period. That, yeah, it wasn't, uh, I don't know if that was much of a high stick. I mean, it, it uh, the two minute penalty the other way if the ref sees it. For what? For embellishment? Exactly. That stick never never came close to him. I never saw a replay. Yeah, I, I, I the, saw the original where the stick came up and his head threw back. Totally, I thought it was a penalty. He totally sold it, and, he, and they totally set it on Sportsnet that that uh, that was a complete sell. Well, the, hey, that happens more than, than you think. And then <laughs> oh, also, yeah, I think, no, no, and no, both I'd, teams I'd be the first it, guy but, to do it. I'd yeah. be the first guy to do it. No doubt about it. Um, okay, so four comments. Sorry, guys. Um the uh, the uh, too bad the game didn't go seven five the other way given uh, the hundred year celebration. It would have been uh, a yeah, it would have been a game that would have been played in eighty four eighty five. Absolutely, exactly. That would have been that would have been really cool. Um, the uh, kudos to uh, Jack Michaels feeling better. Yeah, he sounded better, but not quite the same. I could tell. Um, a couple of questions. Um, do you think Cam Talbot could use like a 1A backup goaltender, like the interview in between the second and third period on Sportsnet when you have um, Fear and Andy Moog? Right, and I've I've talked to like I've talked to like ten, twelve, sixty before radio, and talked to them about a one A one A goaltending tandem. 
and they think I'm freaking nuts. Uh, well, I think the Oilers need a better backup goalie. We'll we'll exactly. see. How, we'll see. But I mean, Bressois wasn't great. Uh, Nielsen wasn't great. Gustafson uh, wasn't great. Wasn't great. We haven't seen a lot of Montoya. I guess in the games he's played a lot of, he's had one excellent game and one off game. Talking about Arizona and San Jose, I, I think that I mean it's not the most important position on the team, but it'd be nice if it were better. I don't and know if you need a, I don't know if you needed a one or a one A, but you, you need a better backup. And my last there. question, my last question is, 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 out of I count like ten players on the team, roughly, that are back next year, like guys that you just don't trade away. Um, I feel bad for Maroon because I know he's on the block and and he wants to stay and he's probably going to go. And I lambasted him last game and and he scores a goal tonight. But you know, it's it's like. It's it's the inconsistency, and and do you think like if you if if Kyler Yamamoto can replace Maroon, small speed, fast, who do you get for Maroon? Like what do you get for Maroon in um, addition to maybe replacing um, Maroon with Kyler Yamamoto next year? Well, a couple things. First, I I count fourteen guys in tonight's game alone that are back next year, and that doesn't include Larson. R&H, who else is missing in tonight's lineup? So that's 16. Sacra. Sacra, 17. So you say 10. I got 17 guys that are coming back next year. Contract-wise. Contract-wise, yes. There could be moves, but I'm thinking there's 17. Uh, Also, as far as Maroon, when you trade Maroon, you're not getting a Maroon back. Uh, I think uh, you might get a prospect. You might get a draft pick. But you're not getting someone like Maroon coming back here. Yeah. Well, and that's why, you know, Bob has talked a lot about Tampa Bay because they have so many good young, young prospects. Young yes. So they might be able to say, well, we really like this guy, but we got four more that we think if, Can we, hit fill up, in, yes. if, we, or if we hit on two of the four, yep. we're not going to lose out, you know, if we trade that guy. So, you yeah. know, that's, yeah, I, I, I think they'll probably try to get a player for Maroon. I, I think they'll probably get, you know, a mid round or late round pick for, for Latestu. Yeah, I mean, and again, you could you could have a wish list of all the things that you want for next year, but you also got to remember that the salary cap comes into play, and Connor McDavid's contract goes up. Yeah, and so they they don't have uh, the freedom to just go out and buy whatever they want. Uh, they've they've got, I mean, there's there's a, a pretty hefty amount of money already invested in the players that they have. And so. Nurse is going to get some form of a raise. I mean, maybe it's a if it's a, a shorter contract, and then he gets more. But I mean, we've talked about a little, little bit in the past. You have to remember, and this and this is another area where Shirelli's been criticized is he's not only signed some guys for medium to longer terms, they have no move clauses. Yes. So even if a team said, "I'll just pick this," because this is totally hypothetical. There are no trade rumors associated with this. You got to be careful with talking about trades. I'm going to tweet it out as soon as you say it, though. <laughs> you don't even know how to use Twitter. That's true. Uh, let's say a team said, "Okay, well, we we would like Chris Russell." Well, he has a full no move this year and next year, and then he can submit a 10 team list in 1920 and a 15 team list in 2021. So, I mean, you can't you can't even begin uh, that conversation with with a player like that. Uh, Secker has one for another couple of years. Uh, we talked about Talbot having one. Lucic has one for the first, uh, uh, what is this, five years of his contract. Yeah. I mean, they're not moving. Uh, that's the thing. Some of these guys are Oilers for a while. Yes. 
So that's going to be so it, challenging. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting summer to see what Peter Shirelli does. And, and they, I don't know if you say they went all in, but they were confident with the players that they had to give them To extend- recreate last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So that they gave them contracts that uh, are extended. They're not just one and done. These guys are guys that they felt would be uh, contributors for, for a number of years. So that's why, if you look, for example, look at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Look at the, the, the players that Crosby has as wingers all the time. When you've got two players making a bulk of your contract or bulk of your salary cap, you've got to have guys that are under... I don't know if underpaid, but are paid a certain amount to be able to play and step in and, and be contributors because you can't just say, all right, Crosby, well, let's go get Ovechkin to play with him because he's a really good shooter. Yep. You can't afford that. So you have to have guys that come up either through your system, well, mo- mostly through your system because they're still on their entry contracts and they you can afford to put those guys into your into your lineup. That's why Pugliarvi uh, and, and a Yamamoto become so attractive to the others to be able to play yeah. here because of what they and make. And even if Kara can play in a depth role, I mean yeah. he's only making uh, he's only making six seventy five. You know, we'll see what happens with Slepeshev. I mean, he's had a good little burst here. I still don't run. You've made the point, Rob. He's never really scored. No. I mean, he wasn't a, He wasn't like he was getting 40 in the KHL, so you think he can get 20 in the NHL. Although so, he th- has shown these brief glimpses. Well, that was a good shot today. Well, I mean, that, I'm sure Reimer's thinking, oh, that's a tough angle. That's, so, you know, that depend, shouldn't have gone depends, in. Depends, yeah, that which, team you're, which angle you're looking at it. Yeah. But, but he's had some energetic games, at yes. least where he's checking. Well, and he should be, and this is the time of year. I mean, these some of these guys are, are, are looking to, to be part of this organization going forward. And uh, GMs and coaches are looking who shows up in adverse times and who quits. And Slepeshev, I thought, was good tonight. Yep. Oilers, however, lose 7-5 to the Florida Panthers. Connor McDavid had a goal and an assist. Here he is. You generate small offense, but you're giving up a lot, too. Maybe you just talk about the, the defensive side of the game and how much you're giving up and what it's costing you. Yeah, I definitely need to tighten it up, obviously. I mean, we're giving up uh, a bunch of goals, uh, and it's it's more how we're giving them up. Uh, breakaways, you know, open shots in the slot. I mean, we're not really giving tops a chance, but, uh, you know, definitely uh, frustrating when you know, we're scoring five goals, but we're still losing the game. You know, it uh, definitely can't happen. For you, your frustration level, you know, a few times I look at trips, slashes on the hands, which are supposed to be called, and nothing tonight. You guys, oh, I know you had the penalty shot, but for you, a guy who has the puck that often, are you getting frustrated at times where you feel like you're getting a lot of non-calls? Uh, no, I mean, honestly, I'm not going to. I'm not looking to tear the refs down. That's the last thing I'm looking to do. They're, all, they're all always going to call what they're going to see. And, um, you know, they're, they're not, uh, you know, like I, like I said before, they're going to call what they see, and, and, and that's the bottom line. Um, you know, they're, they're, they have a boss, and, and they're trying to do the best that, you know, best job that they can do. And, um, and, and they're calling it the way they, they see it. If things going the way they are calling it with these losses, how difficult a task is it to stay up in here to keep this group up? You get a lot of hockey left to play. Yeah, obviously, uh, it's 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 difficult, but guys are still coming to the rink and, and working hard and, and doing everything they can possible. Um, yeah. Thanks, That's Connor McDavid. All right, there's Connor McDavid. Obviously, a quiet Oilers dressing room today. Seven five, they lose to the Florida Panthers. They will play again at Vegas who they are actually 2-0 and against this year, surprisingly enough, yeah. on uh, Thursday night. That's going to be a 6 o'clock face-off show, 8 o'clock puck drop here on 6.30. Chad, Rob, I mean, it's that uh, area of the season. It's tough. Uh, the fans have been through this before. 
The Oilers, though maybe not a lot of guys on this roster, a few, but not a lot on this roster, uh, have been through this before where, I mean, you know you're you're not getting in. So is it individual improvement? Is it hoping you gather some sort of positivity that carries over into next season already? I mean, where are you at as a player? Well, it's tough. And when the Oilers had that, that tough decade, you know, a lot of players hoped that things would get better. But the expectation was that, oh, well, here we go again. I think this year might be tougher because of the success the Oilers had last year, both regular season and in the playoffs. And, and, and they remember what this barn was like, you know, in April and how much fun it was and, and how they were, you know, one bad call away from going on to the, to the, to the semifinals. So I think this is why it's a lot harder for the players this year because this was not even close to any, in anyone's expectations. For for some players, it'll be playing for contracts. For some, it'll be playing for playing time, uh, moving up the lineup. Uh, they want to have a good showing uh, so that the last thing their coaching staff and, and the GMs will remember before the summer starts is, oh, I remember how he finished the season off. Okay, when it was adverse, he was there for us. So uh, it's... It's tough, and I just the expectations and now the realization are so far away from each other that it'll be interesting to see. And what you, what I've seen in the games that I played late in seasons, when teams were completely out of it, there there seemed to be a lot of scoring chances, right, both ways. It just uh, the the laying down in front of a shot. Oh, the desire to check. I mean, that's yeah. what it comes down to. It's true because the games. I mean, it's they're not as important. They they just aren't because you're not playing for a playoff spot, and sometimes you get seven five hockey games instead of the three two ones that you normally get. Oilers have lost four straight. Second straight, they lose a high-scoring game seven five to the Florida Panthers. You can get more on six thirty chet dot com. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer back at 630 Chet. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. All have inside sports from 6 to 8. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Each team scores on a penalty shot. The Panthers beat the Oilers 7-5. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.